A lot of people don't realize that for the two successful YouTube channels I have, I have four failed ones. And by failures, they're actually not failures, they were stepping stones to success, they were experiments. So I would encourage someone who's maybe stuck, who's maybe just starting, to actually focus on the first season of your career on just putting in the reps. Use your season in obscurity to prepare you for popularity. In this episode, we talk with Sean Cannell. Sean is a YouTuber, international speaker, and coach that helps entrepreneurs build their influence and income with online video. He has been featured in the 20 must-watch YouTube channels that will change your business by Forbes. This is Creative Disruption, the intersection where entertainment, data, and creativity meet. Here's your host, Ricky Ray Butler and Daryl Leaves. Welcome back to the Creative Disruption Podcast, where we talk with individuals that are disrupting the industry. And I'm joined here by my friend, without glasses this time, (laughs) Ricky Ray. How you doing, Ricky? I'm doing great. Now, I am really excited uh, for today's guest because he's a friend of mine. We've worked in the industry for a very long time, but I was actually uh, on uh, TubeFilter and I read an article that Instagram just changed their format, their their video format. They've been vertical for all this time for IGTV, and now they're actually accepting horizontal. Is that going to change things for you? Like what? I don't think it's going to change things for me. Um, what do you think they're doing it? I I think people are used to you know the real estate of just flipping their phone if they want to watch that type of format. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if anything, it's probably gonna make it so it's 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 more broadly adopted. I. I think it's more about getting content creators that are are used to filming that way to put their content on there or reuse content that maybe was on YouTube uh, on Instagram. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's going to be more broadly adopted, but also, you know, they're probably following the data. They're thinking this is how people watch videos with their mobile device. We need to start acting, you know. Um, in a way that that they want to see us. Yeah, no, I and I, I do notice that the real estate that was used for that type of format, they'd always do. Okay, we'll do a sixteen by nine or even a square video, and then all that other real estate on the top and the bottom, they kind of fill it up with clutter. And I, I don't, you know, if they want to really go in the right direction, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they they do that. But I I'm very fascinated, like um, from IGTV from a brand integration side. Now you guys do a lot on Instagram. Is is yeah. that been effective for you? For IGTV you know, or is it just stories? We, we have done IGTV. We've done regular video posts. Of course, you know, regular, you know, visual posts or static images. Um, but when it comes to Instagram, you know, when you're doing, you know, stories, it, it just, you get the most engaged users watching the content. You get the right. highest clicks, you get the highest conversions. And, and so, you know, we've been doing a lot of modeling with our AI and deep learning neural networks. And, and um, you, know, you know, we've gotten to the point where we can predict I mean, story views. Yeah, and predict. You know, we're starting to predict conversions, et cetera, and 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 so most of our focus, if it, if it's for conversions, if it's for to get you know users to another destination or to install an app or you know to go buy a product, um, we definitely focus on stories. If it's about getting awareness and a lot of engagement, that's where we do the posts, and 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 we and we're still experimenting with IGTV, but it isn't the focus when it comes to integration yeah. on, on on Instagram. Well, I was interested because they were actually switching and they actually had a product where now it brings it into the feed, IGTV sure. into the feed. And yes. it kind of, it, it naturally organically promotes each other. But 
changing the format is going to be kind of weird. I, I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see, uh, you know, time and data will see where well, that evolves. I talked to a lot of creators where they were, no, they mentioned that they, they wanted it to look different. I, I think they're, I mean, you know, we had um, John um, Yoshai um, yeah. um, on, on here, you know, earlier, you know, he's someone that really, well, he's can, actually in charge of that. Yeah, he, he's in charge of <laughs> it. Well, well, he, I mean, he's one of those people. And again, I mean, I don't know the details of those conversations at Instagram, but I, I, I'm sure he, you know, he has a culture of listening, you know, to the creators. Oh, 100%. And, and I'm sure he, I mean, you know, he could be a, a good, a big part of, you know, listening to the community and seeing what they wanted. Right. So like, I think once that's done, I think the searchability, like to really find videos, like right now it's a feed driven type of thing and IGTV is start, starting to disrupt how you actually find content that could be a huge player for new content creators. I mean, I, I look at, Oh yeah. Some, well, the, some, the purpose is to compete with television. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I see a lot of creators that um, have this content and they're thinking, okay, YouTube first, YouTube first, YouTube first. Now they're thinking, wait a minute, this will actually live better on Instagram. This will live better on Snapchat. This will live better on Facebook. And so they're more about content creation than they are being called a YouTuber. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's really, really interesting. So I'm really excited for our guest yeah. today because uh, he has probably interviewed more creators <laughs> than, I, than I, any, anyone that I know. Uh, and it's Sean Cannell with Think Media. How are you doing, Sean? Really, really good. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Well, thanks for making time. So I mean, for everyone that's watching, why don't you just kind of explain a little bit about you, how you got started, your background? Yeah, I mean, for me uh, today, running two YouTube channels, Think Media and Video Influencers with Benji Travis, but I actually got back into video in 2003, and I was volunteering at my local church, and the youth pastor handed me a video camera, and it was an HV30 with mini DV tapes. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That was back in the day. And you would capture minute for minute over Firewire and then edit it, and then I would capture it back to the tape to play it in a v VHS <laughs> Like converter. That too complicated. Yeah. This, and it's crazy that 2003, like goes to church. It was still kind of like, we didn't yeah. have the best equipment, but yeah, that's when I got into video. And so, uh, I've been doing video production for so long. And that's eventually what I started doing on YouTube in 2010 on think media. I started then helping people with cameras, lighting, video production tips. And, uh, it grew into what it is today. I think we just recently crossed 800,000 subscribers on oh, that channel. Hey, congrats. How long have you been working with Benji Travis? So Benji and I met in the same small town an hour north of Seattle. And as I was getting into YouTube, the first YouTube channel I managed was my churches in 2007. So that was pretty early game, you know, stage. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's yeah. at the very beginning. And so, I mean, I didn't know anything. I didn't know about titles or thumbnails, but it, I was in the game. And then I started helping people because I uh, like small businesses to set up websites and YouTube channels to do video production. Meanwhile, Benji's wife, Judy, started beauty tutorials. Oh yeah, I mean, she, she's an OG. Way like, OG. When it comes to like the beauty community, like she was the pioneer. Yeah. And and when we got products, you know, you know, integrated in her content, it was like the biggest honor and yeah. privilege because she like she knew the space better than everyone at the time. It was like her it was like her and Michelle Fawn were like the OGs of of the beauty community. Oh man, she's a legend. And, and she's stayed relevant when most <laughs> haven't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the to longevity to, to their career and her career. But what was crazy was we met at the YMCA and he's like, Yeah, my wife's into YouTube. She's like a you know, kind of like a big YouTube 
makeup. And I was like, yeah, right. We live in a small town. I'm like, you're kidding. There's someone else in this small town that is also, and then sure enough, I went home and she had 130,000 subscribers. You're probably like, whoa. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, now they got millions to, you know. But uh, yeah, that's kind of well, where back it all. then, you could count on two hands how many creators had more than a million right. know, subscribers. Right. I mean, I mean 130,000 was a huge deal. It was nuts. And it was one of those things that like caught my attention early on when I saw someone that had like 50,000 followers and like averaging 10,000 views of videos. Like, wow, what's going on over here? <laughs> and you would love yeah. this because the first thing Benji and I worked on together was it's like 2010, early stage. They're not married yet. They don't, now they have a vlog with their daughters. So they're just like, they're not even engaged. He said, hey, we just met at the YMCA. I'm thinking about proposing to my wife. I know you do video production. Would you help me film it at like this oh. Halloween party? <laughs> so we did that. And then they started, uh, they, were, they knew their wedding was coming up. So he thought, we kind of brainstormed this together. What if we did a wedding series before influencer marketing, anyone said that, and before brand deals even really, like what, I'll, I'll call people and I'll shop around to the cake, to the dress, to the different things. And then you'll kind of be this hybrid reality vlog filmer person. And uh, we'll put this episode. So we ended up doing like a I 15 part episode. I remember that. Yeah, That's a series. Amazing. So. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's really cool. And we've been friends for how long? It <laughs> <laughs> finally comes out. It just takes well, Ricky to pull this information out. Sure. Well, no, I mean, it shows how small of a world it is. You know, yeah. I, I've you know I've known about Judy and, and Benji for a long time, and I had I actually had no idea that you had a partnership with him on another project. I, I've seen all of your other content, and it's totally. been amazing. And so that's he's, and that's where this came from. Right. Oh, the book. And because we met back in 2010, he'd also done the real estate stuff, and and so that was where we met years later before video influence or started, it was like, man, we've been in this video game for a while and you've done the video production side and the SEO side. And so we kind of converged and then eventually turned into that. So let's, let's kind of switch gears. Like I, you have a couple YouTube channels. So one's think media, the other one's video influencers, uh, think media. Uh, let's talk about that. So we are here in Vegas Yep. and there are some really, really, really big, uh, expos that actually come every year. Um, and I would notice this as a far, and I'd go to these expos too, and I'd see that you bring a crew in and you'd knock out 20, 30 videos in a couple days. And yep. I was like, wow, let's talk about that for, for, for a minute too. Like what, what the process that you actually go through. And I noticed that you're re releasing multiple videos a day when the show's actually going on. And then you have this huge spike in not only viewership, but also subscribers. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I moved back to Vegas in 2011 to work at a church and discovered, I mean, I, I didn't really know about CES, the Consumer Electronics Show that happens right in January of every right. year here in Vegas. And then mid-year is NAB, National Association of Broadcasters. And there's a few other shows, but those two are major shows where all this tech floods into the city. And um, so I was, because I was the director of communications at my church, I would start visiting those events and, and then I started getting ideas. And even before this all started, I thought, okay, I used to one man show it. So I mean, maybe to give those young hustlers, you know, or who have, that, that are trying to build their thing, I would go down with like a Zoom H1, just a little portable <laughs> recorder, just kind of a, a, a mic. Well, the resolution of that was horrible. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just like a, this camera mic and I would hold my own monopod or tripod and I would sit with the uh, reps at the booth and I just 
realized though, because all of this tech was in one place, and a lot of people do this on different YouTube channels, but it's great because you get the newest stuff. It's all in one place, so you can batch multiple videos. And then you also, because you've got the reps, you kind of have someone helping you. You don't have to do all the research because when you're doing tech videos, you kind of want to really go exactly. deep, but you're scaling it faster because you can just bang through these videos. So even as a solo creator, I started realizing I could do eight to 16 videos and I'd go down there and man, I feel like, you know, I'm a little bit older now. Cause as I, even as I look back a few years, I'm like, how did I do that? Cause I would get up super early, shoot the videos. I would edit at night and I would literally try to get one or two out. And then I'd release them the next morning and go back down today. That whole process is just scaled. Yeah. And, you know, as we started being able to get help and get a team, but even in the hybrid time, I would kind of have local people, uh, Ron Starling who lives here, kind of intern for me. And right. so if you just had like one person and the most notable was this past CES. We ended up with 29 unique videos in the can. And we did everything from tech reviews to also treating the show. Like we did some that went pretty in depth. We'd get our hands on a lens, borrow it for a few hours while we're there, go shoot some photography and truly test it and then kind of bring it back. Um, and then of course, connecting that to a business model of affiliate marketing, the impact of the brand build, exactly. hopping on the trend, even revenue, and then just awareness to what we're doing. It's been massive. So year over year, we've compounded momentum by covering these events. Yeah. Wow. And, so, and how, how did you incorporate affiliate marketing? So uh, a lot of times the products are not out. So in that case, it's just kind of an awareness thing, but it's pretty linear. Just, hey, if you wanna see everything that we're talking about in this video, there's links in the description below and and those are Amazon links. Oh, wow. Oh, so you just get those yourselves. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Have you ever looked at like becoming like a super affiliate? Like where you go to like the brand directly and say, okay, look, I've brought this much revenue. You need to give me a much bigger percentage. Well, I would love well, to. Amazon do. won't do that. First off, oh, no, not <laughs> Am no, not Amazon. But you know, like if, if the if the product like had more of like direct way of you know like, purchasing. Uh, it's interesting, and I, I wonder. I've, we've had, for instance, we've done a deal with Canon uh, before, which was kind of a proper brand deal. But um, we haven't, and, and lately, I haven't been doing as many brand deals. But on our Amazon, just Amazon alone, I think we're doing over a million dollars in top line sales of Canon cameras right now, every that is, year. That is amazing. Trackable. Yeah. Oh, that, that's amazing. It's so, so, so I guess it's, it's one of those things where if it is, you know, an Amazon affiliate link, you just really do it when you want to do it. Well, we well get, and, and the great thing about it too, is when they go and buy one thing, they can go buy something that's completely opposite. This is going to do a Canon, a Canon camera, mm -hmm. but they might buy a fridge or they might buy something else because, you know, it's so easy it's to buy because on they Amazon the and link, they get that percentage you, you, too. You, you get, you get a percent of that. And actually that. tech a lot of times is 4%. And I've got a friend who has a store that is kind of like third in line to be an H photo. And when he heard 4%, he was like, wow, when I think about my margins, that's actually pretty aggressive still. And Amazon is right. the machine when it comes to that. So I think there's, you know, when I think of a brand deal, you kind of get all the money up front. But when I think about the one other piece that makes this work is I've really gotten great at ranking videos. So they're viewed for weeks, months, years to come. So they're so long tail. So it's the right. long tail of that traffic that keeps our affiliate account like 
producing. You know, it's interesting. You know, we, we've made, you know, companies millions and millions of dollars doing like a direct response approach like this. Um, but, but, but what's interesting is most of the community is not open to doing like those types of rev shares. And so for the most right. part, we actually give, you know, we have our own, you know, predictive like algorithm where we can predict, you know, which creators are most likely to convert better than others. And, but we usually pay the creators up front. Yeah. And we just cross our fingers and like look at the data as detailed as possible to hope that, you know, it pays for itself and profits. So like I, where I see the industry going and I, I hope brands can come on board on this. Cause I think it's just a, a blended approach, but it's like, you need to have like a affiliate marketing 2.0, you know, you need to be able to have money coming in so that you can produce better, better quality. But then you have the tail end where it's affiliate and it, it, that right there where they have a, you know, more motivation, uh, than just the money in hand, and they know they can get money, you know, week after week, month after month, they're, year after they're year. They're all looking at this yeah. now. Well, because, I mean, Alibaba spends hundreds and millions of dollars a year with with, with this type of activation. Yeah. And, and, and so now that the Walmarts of the world are struggling, or the different retail stores of the world are starting to really starting to struggle, um, brands are looking at the Amazons and at the Alibabas and thinking, okay, we have to make sure we fit in this new um, um, e-commerce world. Exactly. And in the next five to 10 years, the, 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 it's going to be a paradigm shift where you're going to have, you know, chemical companies, you're going to have cereal companies, you're going to have a lot of CPG brands that are going to have to stay relevant by knowing how to convert because doing a media buy and then telling, you know, a, a buyer at a retail store, Hey, we spent $300 million <laughs> in media, put us in this section of the, of, of the aisle. Amazon doesn't care about that. Amazon's going to say, I don't care that you spent media. Did it convert? And do we have a good margin? Exactly. And so, exactly these, so these right. big brands that are right now, you know, like the Coca-Cola's of the world that are, you know, front and center and like make all the decisions, they're going to have to all pivot and be very sophisticated with data and, and in predicting results because, you know, they're about to, 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 to get a really big surprise. And I, and I, and I might be wrong on this. Um, but I, I can see where ad agencies are going. I, I don't say they'll go away. I don't think they'll ever go away just because their creativity and stuff like that. But I, I see a lot more coming in house and, and where it's in house, there's a lot of controls and where it comes back down to owning the data, but also owning, you know, where things happen and what they're able to do and leveraging in the right way. And so moving back to you, I mean, you've helped a lot of people, a lot of creators go from the mindset mentality of, oh, it's just ad revenue to these types of opportunities. Like what, what are some tips that you would give uh, both to the brand and also to the creator when it comes to making money as an affiliate. Yeah. I mean, for affiliate marketing, I like how you said, you know how you need to know how to convert. I think that, um, it's so important to really think about essentially customer journey. There's actually a really good article to look at by think with Google. They've, they go deep and they studied one like SUV purchase right. and they studied how many touch points this woman made. And it was like over 400. And, and of course that was a much more expensive purchase, right. um, like $35,000 or something. But I really like to think about, you know, all the way from what is the psychology of the person that's searching the internet? What is it they're looking for? And so even for the creator and then a brand working for a creator, just because you include a, a, a product in a video or even review a product, there's some like very important just 
maybe subtle and small, like call to actions that are important, but they're critical. Like if you're missing that thing, and I think that's that verbal call to action, that verbal education of, hey, if you wanna check out links to these resources, it's in the description below. Like if the creator misses the call to action, then there's a disconnect to that affiliate marketing probably even being profitable. Furthermore, this is, you know, you're inside of my, uh, my mind here of I think about kind of even why should someone click the link? If you can layer on a reason why to say, but hey, don't just take my word for it. If you wanna check out um, the links to this camera in the description below, read the reviews on the other side. Um, and one of the things I've thought about where I actually, whether it's good or bad, I avoid products. Uh, I just don't even make the video in the first place if it doesn't have good reviews. Yeah. That's customer journey. If I'm like, it's great, but then they click through and they land there and they're like, wait a minute, well then your integrity seems like it's just confusing. Why does this have two and a half stars? And it might have a good product, but horrible service and horrible right. logistics. And, and that just destroys your credibility still. So that's literally thinking past your video. To, and of course, then that's also another tip I'd give to creators is that to really have integrity in the whole process, to of course always be transparent, to be authentic, to review products, or to be open with what's good and what's bad about them. And so it is funny, I actually just avoid product. I, I end up not making the video at all. I only like, cause why start the process unless let's talk about something that's really going to help people. I know maybe people need the reviews of stuff that isn't bad, but a lot of times I just like to find, and, and our promise is like, what's the best camera for YouTube? We really right. want to narrow down. Like what are the three best options really do our due diligence and then make those recommendations and then think through that, like, yeah, entire kind of customer journey past our video, because a, a great way to kill your brand is to recommend something. Same thing with your your product to sell some products that once people receive them, they're like, this, this sucks. Yeah, this doesn't work very well. Yeah, this yeah. isn't, this is why, why did you tell me to buy this? You're not, <laughs> you have no longevity if, if everyone right. that is interacting with your stuff doesn't see that the stuff you recommend is actually good. And, and then I think the other thing is, is having, being a true practitioner. Um, I think where we broke through in affiliates is a lot of people in the industry, especially back when I started, were preaching to other, their peers who were really fancy, had a lot of technical knowledge, and were really, of course, people that get into cameras and tech are usually kind of snobby about it or whatever. And so I kind of went the route of, I'm not, I don't know the best, um, you know, filmmaking camera with the best, all of these details and color grading and, but what I know is that these beauty gurus, we went straight to YouTubers, people who did not want to be camera specialists, but people that just were looking for tools that were easy to use. Exactly. So it's like empathy for the creator that's like the flip screen matters, to be able to touch your screen and have it stay in focus matters, the mic input matters, user friendliness matters. And so it was interesting, I had to, in the middle there, endure some criticism from people like, oh, well, it's not the best camera. And you're like, you don't understand, you're not my audience. Like if you already are off in this fancy world, that's cool but we really blew up by almost making it kind of like cameras made friendly, cameras made simple. Cameras made for YouTubers. That's cameras what it is. made for YouTubers, that's right. <laughs> so, okay, so let's switch gears here. Um, and, and this is, like, I think all three of us have been in the industry, especially on YouTube for a very long time. And we see creators come and we see creators go. 
And there's multiple reasons for it. Now, like I said, at the intro to this uh, podcast, we were talking about you've interviewed quite a few of these individuals. Like I, I go to these conferences and I'm, I'm there to go give my talk or whatever. And you probably do like 40 different interviews. <laughs> you know, you're, you're interviewing them. You're trying to see what makes them tick and like, like tell their story. So you've done this, you know, for years. What's some themes like for people that, that um, have come and gone? What are some of the things that trigger why they leave? Um, and, and also the people that are able to stay longer. I think a big one is, do you truly love doing this? And, you know, I also think it's okay that you might love it for a while and you might fall out of love with it and that's fine too. So maybe sometimes it's not bad to leave, leave. You learned that this is not necessarily what you want to do, but I'll tell you this on the other side of the camera or the phone the appearance of the YouTuber lifestyle can be very attractive. But when I think about it, I feel like I'm on vacation every day. And that's, that's not totally true. There's definitely when you're grinding, you're working and <laughs> most don't, but, <laughs> but I mean, because I love what I'm doing. Like I, so when I think about if someone's like, I would love like Sean's lifestyle, well, maybe you wouldn't because I do get up and grind from like seven to seven pretty much every day because I, you know, and that's flexibility to do what I want. Or maybe we travel or we go to events, but I love it. I like being at events. I love right. learning about YouTube. I love marketing and I love being in the creative process and planning videos. But I think Sometimes people are like, oh, wait, there's like a whole bunch of work in the middle between the, the conference in Hawaii or the, you know, being on stage at VidCon or whatever. And so I just think that there is a whole lot of work that goes in, you know, that's one thing we've learned from interviewing uh, well over a hundred video influencers now. I'll, they work hard, man. They, oh, yeah. they put a ton of work in. And I know that on the periphery, it can be really, it could just seem like, well, I just want the result, not necessarily the work. Right. I think a lot of it's also making sure you find that balance because the, the work is fun. And I'd say most of the people in this space are extremely passionate about it. They love what they're doing, but there's also starting to be a, a trend of fatigue. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that's happening because people overdo it to the point where it stops being healthy. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not only that, but it's, it's also that they're not willing to, to let go. And I mean, they want to be, they're control freaks. They're, they're not scaling they're not, their business. They're not scaling it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can only do so much. Right. Like there's no way I could pull off what I pull off without the team that I have. There's just no way. There's just no way. But the, the whole thing is a lot of these creators are just doing it themselves or they might bring in an editor when they really, truly need someone to manage their life, you know, to do their check their email to to work with, you know, making sure there's uh, grocery shopping and all the other things that are going on, you know, an assistant of some sort. But um, when you do these interviews, do you see like people that were really they fell out of love and they fell out of love because they were exhausted? with the just trying to keep up? Yeah, and you hit the other probably two big categories. I think one is they need to develop a new set of skills because they were, a, it's the E-Myth, which is a classic book um, <laughs> for YouTubers. that YouTubers should read because the E-Myth is all about the fact that when someone wants to be in business for themselves, which is what a YouTube creator is doing, they are usually a great technician. They're good on camera, they're good at editing, but maybe they have not developed the skills of leadership, team building, delegation. So it's an intentionality that you need to actually upgrade your skills set. And also ego keeps you, because delegating, yeah. I remember yeah. when I first delegated editing, I was so terrified, because editing was my main thing. It was like my whole life. And I thought that in the comments, I was like, as soon as I handed it over to an intern named Jay, a couple summers ago, 
I thought people in the comments when I release this video are going to be like, what happened? Where did Sean go? <laughs> exactly. What? I can't believe it. He's such a sellout. I can't believe. And, and there were zero comments that acknowledged the editing was different, which was kind of a blow to my ego. Like, wow, I thought even I was like, well, I even edit better. And there were some things that I let slide as he, but no, like they didn't even notice. Yeah. So there can be the ego. So I think you definitely need those skill sets. And the other thing you touched on is those systems. You need structure, systems, and routine, uh, routine because you need that life rhythm. You're right, it's out of balance. I think so the, the reason we batch so hardcore at CES or shoot interviews at events is because for that very reason, we that is a system we've developed that allows us to sustain weekly content by shooting huge groups of it all at once right. and then still have a life and still work on other aspects of our business. That's important. I, I think everyone at some point that's trying to build a company or let's say, you know, build a channel, uh, it, it's having a pivotal point of going from being a trades person or tradesman to becoming a leader. Mm -hmm. And then and going from details and micromanagement to, you know, being, you know, more strategic from a high level. And, and, and you know, in order to become a leader, you really do, and, and, and grow and be successful, you have to learn how to give things up and empower people to do them better than you and find better that people that can do it much better than you could ever do it. And, and that's, that's something, you know, I had to learn when starting a company, you know, at the very beginning, you know, you know, I did the sales, I did the execution, I did the, the account management. And once I was able to get around that curve and, and make it so, and realize that there's people that can do this better than me, that's when the company just started to explode. But this is applicable not just to creators or, or, or people that are starting businesses, but if, if you're in a, an organization, um, a lot of people just want to control everything and, and they don't want to give up any of the power or the influence that they have when really, when they realize that they can like just prioritize what they need to focus on and how they can empower people around them so everyone can perform better. Right. And I, and I think too, I think the biggest thing that I noticed is like there, there is the creator side. They say, Hey, you know, I just want to create content. I, that's all, you know, I just, I love the creative portion and I don't treat this like a business. And I've seen those people come and go because this is a business. I don't don't care when you upload that video and and this is your your job it is a business like when you're receiving um, you know monetary value for uploading the video and that's all you're doing then you need to treat it a little bit differently and you might need to look at other aspects to uh, bring in revenue than just the ads um, but I I seen uh, creators come and go because they they love to create they love what they do but they they put so many eggs in that one basket and when that basket gets disrupted, they don't know what to do next. And then the ones that have, you know, a, a longer term, they say, okay, this is, this is my brand. This is my IP. Now, what do we need to do to really establish, you know, systems and processes to make it happen? And so I, I think what I love, and I love that, um, you were able to write a book, um, you know, about YouTube secrets and you talk about how to make it and survive on YouTube. You really talk about diversifying, like not putting your, all your eggs in one basket. And I think most people are like, okay, I got to sell merch. Um, I gotta, I gotta do some ad deals. I gotta do affiliate. And, th and that's kind of the, the extent of their business when it's much more than that. You know, you here you have influence and here you have the opportunity to create your own products. You know, you can create your own digital or physical products. You can actually be your own brand deal. I mean, that's a really big deal. You want to cover some of the things that you, you talk about that in your book? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, one thing I just wanted to add to that last section too, is a quote that my mentor, uh, Shalene and Brett Johnson, uh, Brett Johnson on his arm has got a tattoo. It says, scared money don't make money. 
And I actually think that creators get to a place where you actually start making some good money, but you're maybe afraid to reinvest it or you don't have the vision to reinvest it. And exactly in what you're saying, like when you start, like this, this might seem obvious, but I feel as we start talking about how to make money or different ways, I feel like everybody listening, every creator should needs to like adopt a mindset. I need to make more money. Now that's like, you're like, well, of course they probably all think that, but like, but no, I need to make more money because I need like, cause the vision's going to require, like, this is a family thing. Like, how do I bring the support necessary around? So that's moving from a mindset of just, I'm a creator and I'm like living well to scaling past that and finding ways to produce revenue, but then also being willing to reinvest it because scared money don't make money. And it can be scary to make that first hire and be afraid. Well, what if they don't work out? They probably won't. You'll yep. have to be willing to like burn money on one, two, three people that don't work. But when you get that person who changes your whole business and helps you scale, then that changes the whole game. So you have to be willing in the process to have micro losses so you can get those bigger wins. That, that or you, you you pay someone on sabbatical for a year so they, they come back and work for you because yeah. they do so well. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, as far as thinking- I love that, the, what you said, micro losses, because that's important. Like, you know, whatever you're doing, you're gonna have to optimize what you're doing life to, to, to progress. And, you know, it's scary to bring someone on that's going to fail, but that's actually going to make you better. Yep. And it's going to empower you to make a better decision next time. So that's, that's really cool. And so let's talk about making, so, so thinking about just different ways creators can make money. I think that the first one is, and if you're listening to the creative disruption podcast, you probably already think this way, but you really need to think of yourself like a media company. I'm a huge fan of Phil DeFranco right yep. now. In fact, you could just break down him as a business model, as someone to study. He's got the Phil DeFranco show. It's been cool now, of course, all of us, a legend. He's scaled over the years. So you've watched this evolution and now he's scaling, he's empowering others. I think that's something that creators that are further down the road, they could take a, a, a tip from John Maxwell out of his most recent book, Leadership, where you go from, you stop climbing ladders and you start building ladders because you've already reached the top of yours. So now he's putting on other newscasters, other people under the rocket brand, whatever it's called. And yeah, Rogue Rocket. Rogue, Rogue Rocket. So now he's got, what are we, we're talking about, he's got his hair care line as yep. well. He's got- Which I thought was so random. And but it's obviously, yeah, I thought it was off brand. Yeah, but it's, like, it's really working for him. Yeah. I know. Like, like he's, you can tell he's expanding his lines. Yes. He's and, and, and if he's going to continue to push it over and over again, you know it's selling. 100%. And then that's past, that's in addition to just merch, which is what we most think of. So he's got the whole merch thing. He's got the hair thing. Then he's got his own show to sponsor with multiple ad spots right. to say Postmates or now he does the Kronos game of the day, which is like, he's hitting multiple hit touch points now. Exactly. Cause that one's in there. You got the beard care in there. You've also- <laughs> and he, doesn't, and he doesn't have a beard, but, but like the beard care is legit. Yeah. And um, then, <laughs> so, so this is the thing. He was really one of the pioneers here. And, and I, I, him having those sections specifically for ads, mm -hmm. you know, some people would be like, well, that's not very integrated. That's not very authentic. But for what he does, which is covering the news, you have to have those dedicated sections and they work. Like, and people are expecting them and they're looking forward to them. Because I, I find myself not skipping it. No, I just, I don't I'm like, okay, I know it's gonna be this length and I can tolerate it. Yep. And before you know it, I, I expect it, so. But, but you mentioned that he's, you know, he started you know, hiring more newscasters and people helping. 
he was actually one of the pioneers of re really doing this. Do you guys remember SourceFed? Yep. yep. Like that channel exploded and, and it, it was also um, acquired by Discovery um, um, Networks. Yep. But that, that, I mean, that was like, he was, he was, you know, the brainchild of that. You know, he, he thought, okay, I'm gonna keep doing the Philip DeFranco channels, but we're gonna start SourceFed and SourceFed just exploded. But now it's interesting because his, his, his brand's way more integrated across everything. Um, but he's still, he's also scaling more. So it's gonna be interesting to see where he takes that. So treating yourself like a media company, yeah. that's what like every creator needs to do. Okay, I'm putting out content, treating myself as a media company. So what are some other ideas? So then, I mean, I, back on that idea, if you're thinking about scaling revenue is don't just climb ladders, start building ladders. And so if you can, like on our channel now, we have Omar, he's one of our, he's another character. So like, I'm just, I mean, I feel super young in this, but he's coming on. So now we can scale past that. And so then we so think you about- you can take a vacation. So I can take a vacation. That's yeah, after like, years of- Omar, go yeah. for it. <laughs> and so, uh, and actually just recently, this last CES, we hit DD microphones up and he said, hey, I said, you wanna cover this one? And I mean, we've, just like kind of Phil DeFranco, we built out a show structure, things we want to hit. And I just remember I was just so pumped because I wasn't even involved. And I was like, dude, you hit it all. And so you just crushed it. But then off of a video like that, again, stacking, I think, revenue streams. You've got YouTube ads. I think it's super relevant to think about those. And you guys will know even better. But when you're putting out quality content, you can scale that CPM up. And so the CPM is super relevant. Then you've got the affiliate side. And then the fact that when we, we've also found this, that one of a good way, one of the best ways to get a foot in the door for a brand deal is to just put out a really quality piece of content. They didn't even know who we were. And then we stop by, we do a video and they go, wow, this was solid. So now we're getting free products. And then that could lead to a future brand deal. So then stacking kind of that momentum by putting out content that leads to future work. And then um, for us, then the other big piece is we've built this tech affiliate media company called Think Media, but then we also have digital products now. Right. So now as we educate other people how to grow on YouTube, but then also how to monetize in different ways and master affiliate marketing, that has become a massively lucrative business as well. And they both are kind of feeding each other. So as you reach different stages, it's two ways that everybody listening could go. One, People could create a lot of digital products that are maybe directly related to their brand. I've seen, you know, like a Jeff Bethke, a Bible study kind of channel, do like a Bible study course, or almost anybody that has had some success, one of the, th the most logical things to do is teach how you did it. What was your method of getting there? What are the lessons that you learned? We've even seen someone like a Jake Paul put out a digital product that was, for better or worse. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> we don't need anything to go there. Ha yeah. <laughs> That's disrupting yeah. the info product yeah. world. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see like what the Paul brothers will be doing in like five years, because you know they are definitely building an empire and a media business, yeah. but, I mean, I mean, where, where, where I feel like the, the the channels that continue to grow and to pivot, you know, act like a media company, you know, um, you're, you're now starting to see a much broader trend of them creating new channels and new entities that can self-sustain without their them being in front of the camera. Yeah, but that goes with the mindset too. Like the mindset is, I'm the star. You will do everything that I need to do. Then, then versus I'm the CEO. Yeah, and I, I'm running this company. And that's and that's if you want a to different grow mentality. an empire, you have to be the CEO. Exactly, you can't be a celebrity. That's exactly. There's, right. there's a lot of people that get started that just think, when am I going to get an awesome agent? 
And that's not how you should be thinking. You should be thinking, how am I going to grow a team and have my own sales team eventually? Exactly. And just like build something that's going to self-sustain over time. Having an agent's great. Having a manager is fantastic. But as you said, acting like a media company is probably one of the most important things for growth. Yep. So what are some other secrets? Of growing on YouTube? Yeah. So lately, there's a couple that uh, I, I'm loving. I think one is really paying attention to topic. Now, this might sound basic, but sometimes common sense isn't common practice. So when I think about factors that are going to influence like a video ranking, and that's really important for me, I want to rank in search. And when I, when I think about ranking in search, I also think about suggested. I, I'm fine if a video is sucked into suggested or search, that's great because it's getting views weeks, months, and, and years to come later. So um, of course, we know that the title and the thumbnail are the most important and that tags are having less influence now. And, and, but still, um, tags, description, title, thumbnail are super important. But I think a big missing piece when people think about really getting that thumbnail right and even getting that title right is the topic itself. And so what I've been learning the most from studying YouTube studio beta is like, if I literally put out the best thumbnail, like around the world, we could all just stand like in an art gallery, like, my gosh, there could be no better thumbnail. And even a title like I can't even believe he packed in that much you know what a headline what a title there's keywords in there but it speaks to humans it's like perfect that thing has just been crafted but if it's not the right topic then people just aren't even interested and so I guess what I've learned now on think media is uh, as I hear guys like Matt Geelan talking about and stuff where uh, we're really getting sniper on YouTube channels need to have like one value proposition. And that sometimes the algorithm, like you throw a thing out there, cause I'll talk about some random stuff, it's still my channel. So I know camera videos really perform well. But the other day I, th I did the DJI remote. It was so obscure that it just didn't perform that. It was the topic itself. Like who is really that interested in the DJI remote, but then it kind of, you know, the views didn't perform. Of course the was, it wasn't there. And you don't want to do that too many times in a row. Like you want to be putting out those topics. So I really think when it comes to topic, here's some tips, like what's trending, like what is in the zeitgeist, the mentality of your industry. That's the thing you need to be talking about. So like, are you talking about topics where even if you don't put the best thumbnail out and the best title, but you put out the right, the right topic at the right time, it could be a game changer for you because you're talking about right now, Peak Design is doing that new tripod. And of course, when you see like Peter drop it and then my friend Atola Visuals dropped, you know, about this new Peak Design tripod, it starts kind of going viral. We saw the SwitchPod or whatever, like, and other people can jump on that. When the SwitchPod came out, like I was, you know, Pat was pumped that I talked about it and I would, you know, was super pumped to talk about it as well. But I actually realized I probably got more benefit out of the deal than um, maybe even Pat did. Why? Because when Peter put it out, the suggested videos of being in that conversation. So thinking about topics, what's trending in your industry, what is, what should you be talking about, but also what do your subscribers want to see? Because that's probably that distribution to your subscribers for established channels is something I'm really trying to craft and figure out thinking, what is it they'll click through on? Right. And I know, uh, just to kind of break down my understanding of how it works, Right now, YouTube is giving that distribution just to a few of your subscribers, whether they like it or not, whether they click through on that or not. So again, they're gonna click through, they already know me. If the thumbnail is mediocre, they're gonna click through if it's the right topic. 
So what am, am I making the right content decisions, really thinking about that and then trying to hit a largest core of my audience as possible? Because I see basically these days, it seems like as soon as a video dies, if it doesn't get liftoff, it just dies. Yeah. So knowing that it's that topic that's going to hit and once it gets liftoff, then I've seen it even spike higher than that through the algorithm. Well, and it, it really depends. Like you, you made mention, you know, what's going to be most appealing to my core audience. And a lot of creators uh, think that way and that's how they're creating content. And I think that works to a degree. Uh, it just depends on the type of channel that you're actually, you know, the type of content you're creating. But the reality is, it's like when you really want to get tactical, it's like, okay, what's my core audience, but what's going to bring in and attract a new audience coming in? Because if you just take care of your core audience, core audience will come and go. And that's where I see a lot of channels plateau. I see a lot of channels lose subscribers and they also lose the, the view and visibility of what they could have because they're not taking care of the emerging market uh, mm. and the other people that are watching. And so you have to have different balances. So we they have to had, branch out then. Exactly. What do we do? It was a Matt Pat we yeah. had on that was talking about that uh, in depth. He makes like four different types of videos or something yeah, like that. Yeah, one for, one for subscriptions, one for views, yeah, one yeah. for engagement. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy. But I, I think that the key is it's like yes you, you got to figure out what the core is but you also need to be able to see okay you got to be a little bit experimental to see what's going to be the next big thing you know and and roll from there but um okay so algorithms aside and core about that content um there is there certain things that creators need to succeed like what what would what would be that what's that secret that youtube secret since that's your book title yeah no i like it uh i mean i think that what creators need to succeed is they really need to understand their who and they need to understand their what. Now, I, I speak the most to probably channels that are going to be kind of practical. Like I, I, it's a, it's harder for me to help a musician, even potentially a vlogger, because when you really step into entertainment, like what do you need to succeed? You need to be entertaining. Yeah. Like your music needs to be good. You need that to value be value is the entertainment. Yeah, yeah. You need to be actually funny and people need to think you're funny. <laughs> and, and, but what I think is cool and what we get so excited. And that's is, the case of gaming too. No, with gaming, people think you just have to be good at gaming. No, no you have to be hilarious. Personality, all of those things. And so when I think, though, I love the, the practicality of YouTube where like we interviewed John Kohler, who actually has got a place here in Vegas in California, growing your greens. So it's a gardening. Uh, he's, his whole garden's crazy. He's got compost, uh, compost piles and stuff. And, and he uses an old refurbished like Canon Vixia RF 800, it costs $150 and he hands it to, he has a juicing company. So he hands it to like one of his employees or his team members and he films them real time. He'll upload 60 minute videos off this camcorder, just following him through his garden. And he's getting thousands of views over a half a million subscribers. And he doesn't have, if you will, special skills. Now, of course you do need a level of camera presence, but he's just super passionate, super knowledgeable super clear on his value proposition. And then he just has done it relentlessly and it has impacted people and built a tribe. So I think really, who is it you're trying to reach? If you try and reach everybody, you end up reaching nobody, really knowing <laughs> your who, but then also knowing what problem do you solve for them? And this applies for entertainment too. If you have an entertainment tr a channel, you, you, 
solve boredom. You solve a place for people to unwind when they get off work. When I get off work these days, I usually don't watch super strategic content. I'm watching, you know, I'm bro army, nine-year-old army. I'm catching up on some Pew News or whatever it is. A lot of times because I just want to veg out and kind of relax. That's solving a problem. But I think there's a lot of opportunity for creators to really be clear on who is it, who's their core tribe, and then what is, what is it they're delivering to them. If you do that, how you do it, that's what's so cool about YouTube. Right. We do it in all different shapes, all different ethnicities, sizes, ages. And we got uh, uh, Gray Matters by uh, Dotto Tech, right? Mm -hmm. So he's, he's kind of helping people with the same stuff I do, tips right. on affiliate marketing, tip, but he's hitting it to a different demographic. So who is it that you help? He knows that it's those that are getting that gray hair in their legacy years that want to start figuring out these ways of making money online and making extra income. And then what problem does he solve? What you start seeing when those two things can be very different. That's why there's a lot of room for a lot of us. I was just on a podcast called uh, Young Money and or like something like that. And it was about it was more like Gen Z and millennials talking about all this stuff. And I'm 35. So now I'm kind of in the middle. So I'm like, wow, I don't know what's happening. So it's interesting when your who can be this narrower demographic of people. And you really want to get clear on that who. And I think that all of us as creators, as we evolve, can get even continually like to try to steer it back and get clearer on that who and then i feel like the person who articulates the problem the best and then of course solves the problem that's what builds goodwill if you can move somebody from here to here like my whole house was cluttered and my stressful and i you know di uh, decluttering channel and it, now my closet is, is, is organized and i knew which tupperware things to buy off walmart.com or whatever it is now that person has built a bond with you. You just changed your life. You just impacted their home. You just impacted. So when you are solving problems, whether that's humor or whether that's practical and some helping someone balance their checkbook or taxes, when you dial on those two things, man, it's not the production value I think that matters. We gotta do that. You gotta be able to see and hear you. It's not necessarily even whether you're super over the top, charismatic or whatever, but yes, you do need some sort of camera presence. But it's, it's those raw basics that I think move the needle the most. Yeah, what I, what I find fascinating is I'm able to see a lot of different channels, just the nature of what I do. And there are people like, I just don't get their growth. I don't understand why they get so many views and so on. I'm like, well, you're not the target demo. Like you don't get what value that they're actually bringing. And it, you might not, it might not click. You're not wired that way to see that because you're not in that group. And I, I think that's the biggest mistake that most brands make um, is when they overlook how powerful a brand could really, you know, be, or I'm sorry, a creator could really be for a brand, but they just don't see it. They don't see where the opportunity is. And I know, Ricky, you've dealt with that with a lot of brands over the years of them. They just don't get it. Well, gaming used to be laughed at. Like people, I mean, you know, brands would think, why in the world do I work with a gaming channel? Well, gaming's mainstream. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and even back then, gaming was very mainstream, just nobody was realizing it. Um, where I've seen it most recently, not with me, but mainly with my teams, um, is one like, you know, there might be a brand that fits really well with like ASMR. ASMR is a huge, huge. loyal, strong community. And, and, you know, you know, we, 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 we talked to a, a bed company about, you know, just owning that space because it seems very relevant. Highly yeah. intelligent there's, too. There's a lot of people having a hard time sleeping and that's why those channels are just exploding. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, you know, for some brands and thinking, well, we want to work with these like top tier celebrities that are just going to make us look cool when really they should look at, okay, who's going to, you know, have the best brand affinity, but at the same time, you know, that's going to, you know, be something where you can scale it and create a true, like, you know, scale, you know, an ongoing campaign around it where you can't do that with just a couple of top tier celebrities, right. but, but you're right. So, th- I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you you have to be looking at the right places and 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 to be open minded when you're when you're data driven and you're looking at the data you know you start you got you got to eliminate all subjectivity and you have to you know be a little more scientific yeah and i, I think that right there um is the youtube secret it's like at, at the end of the day you need to take a step back. You got to see, okay, what works, you know, the topics, the trends, you know, you got to see what's going to work um, and what's going to engage most and then, and, optimize then it. and then where the value proposition really is, because mm-hmm. if there's no value in the video, it doesn't matter how amazing your t- uh, th- title and thumbnail is. If the, the video doesn't actually perform, you're not going to get the promotion that you actually need. And you're not going to grow a following because you're going to be disconnected between the content, you know, and they're going to feel like, Oh, okay, that was great that you got me in, but I lost interest at, you know, minute marker, you know, one, <laughs> and, and they're not going to watch the rest of the video. And, and from a brand person, excuse me, I always keep going away from the mic. I will not make that mistake again, audio guy. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but it, it also is very relevant with the brand. So, I mean, you know, you find creators that are consistent and, and instead of having them do something new, you authentically integrate within their consistent programming. And we found, you know, with data that, I mean, well, looking at our data, we found that when you empower the content in a very, you know, normal way, uh, that's normal to the viewers, you're going to get higher clicks, you're going to get higher conversions. And, and you know, we've talked about this before. 100%. We, yeah. we call it the consensus triangle. You know, the brand and the creator reach consensus. And if they do that, where the brand shares the vision, shares the data points that they know that work, and the creator comes up with the creative solution and is the creative director, per se, you know, when it comes to the process, the audience embraces the content and is happy that the brand has empowered the content rather than disturbed it. And, and um, I mean, so it's, it's one of those things, you know, having that consistency and then targeting the right people, you just got to do it the right way. And I think both in building an audience right. as well as targeting an audience that's already in, in, in existence. So there are a lot of people watching uh, this podcast that are um, this video or podcast, but they're 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 kind of stuck, they're plateaued, or that they're just haven't started yet. What's some advice that you give them um, how to actually get noticed, and and some advice just being in the industry so long? You know, I think what you both said, especially with data, is that uh, and, and not getting too romantic about your own thing. I think the the biggest thing is that. If you feel stuck, there's a reason you're not growing. And um, there's one of two things happening. Either one, you haven't been at it long enough. So problem number one, when people, they'll comment on video influencers videos and they'll just be like, hey, can you give me some tips? I just don't know why I'm stuck. I don't know why I'm not growing. I'm not getting views. I'll click through on their channel and I'll see, you have three uploads in the last six months. Like, <laughs> you don't deserve any views. Like, you, you know, what do you even mean? There's no strategy we could give you. The secret, the initial secret to success on YouTube 
is actually uploading videos on YouTube. Like you're gonna have to pause. <laughs> step one, yeah. upload video. Actually <laughs> upload step video. Step two, repeat, uh, yeah. step one. <laughs> and so I think that that is an, and, and I think that speaks to this, that if someone's watching, watching, you need to identify what season and what stage you're in. A lot of people don't realize that for the two successful YouTube channels I have, I have four failed ones. Yep. And by failures, they're actually not failures, they were stepping stones to success. They were experiments. On my personal channel, which is kind of just stagnant right now, I did cooking videos, I did vlogs, I did a movie reviews, I did a, just a bunch of random stuff, which usually random acts of content don't work that well over time typically. And so, but all of that experimenting was helping me refine my voice, was having a few little micro wins in there of like a little breakout video or some money with affiliate marketing. And it helped educate me for when I, launching and really stepping out in the projects that are working. It's because I'd put in a lot, of a lot of repetitions of a lot of mistakes. So I would encourage someone who's maybe stuck, who's maybe just starting to actually focus on the first season of your career on just putting in the reps. And don't worry about the results, don't worry about the the views, worry about the personal development and growth you're experiencing through putting in the actual work. Use your season in obscurity to prepare you for popularity. Yep, yep. Mm. But then part two, I would say if you're stuck, you may need to pivot. If you're like, okay, I'm uploading a lot, everything's clear, like the promise is clear. I actually got to just talk to somebody that's part of our inner circle program the other day and they were they realized they were in a niche of it was like where you're collecting uh, the addresses that go on like letters or whatever it is something that's kind of about baseball memorabilia memorabilia and I forget exactly what it was but right then and there I did the keyword research and we just were able to look at the global interest in this particular topic and globally around 1800 people a month care about this topic so the person's ambition was to do this full time, hit, you know, a, you like have it be sustainable for them. And, and actually the market, the vehicle itself was actually probably not large enough for that to even be possible. Right. It was just kind of, so if it's a hobby channel, that's cool, but I would identify what's your ambition? What is it that you're after? And you may need to pivot. It's, you could feel like, wait, I've been building up my channel. I got over a hundred videos. What do you mean? Well, you, it doesn't mean you have to change channels, but there may need to be a pivot. Seth Godin wrote a great book called The Dip. Yeah. And we're all gonna go into that dip. The question is, am I supposed to write it through and this thing's gonna work out or, <laughs> or, or actually, should I pivot? And I think, again, when I started thinking about, I realized that going into being a video educator, I mean, again, I've got the real chops because I started video in 2003, but with how much online video was growing and with how much interest yep. there would be in cameras and with how much interest there'd be in these, I'm not here by accident. It was a decision to really be positioned in a market that aligned with my whole life and whatever. So that's, that might be, you might need a tweak and move into a different market, a different space. That's probably the biggest needle mover. That person figuring out what that is, is some self-reflection and, right. you know, getting a vid summit and rubbing shoulders with other creators and like really sharpening that idea. But I think there's probably a lot of people that could be stuck that just need a maybe a small shift to get into that idea that just blows up for my, them my, my thing is it's like sometimes they they um pivot too quickly they don't they don't let things play out and say okay wait i'm gonna look at this data and analyze 
you know, how, how well we're performing. Maybe it's performing quite well, but you need to take it up a notch and they're not really saying, okay, how do I enhance the, enhance the content? Uh, I was actually uh, uh, here in Las Vegas at a conference that Ricky and I were speaking about the the AI, and this guy tweets me and says, "Hey, you know, I'd love to go out to lunch." And we went out to lunch, and we just sat down. I had a few minutes, um, and we started to talk. And I said, "Well, tell me about what you do." And he's going through all his his things of what he was trying to do, and he was looking at opportunities to um, do a family vlog on a farm and all this other stuff. And we were going through the 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 value proposition. I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a viewer. And I says, okay, tell me what your most viewed videos are. And he says, well, when our goats uh, have babies. And I says, okay. I says, well, what I would do if I was in your situation is I'd live stream that. And I would start live streaming the whole experience because of what happened with the birth of the, of the giraffe. I go, there's, there's a market for it. And if there's things that, that you can do, that's what you need to do. And he goes, huh, well, how would I do that? And I go, that's what, that's what YouTube's for. Go figure it out of how you're going to live stream. And I gave him some <laughs> examples of, I go, that right there is, is something that would be fresh content you can try. He was able to do that and his channel exploded because there was so much interest and his whole focus shifted to more of a live format on his channel. And it's like, I, I don't take like 100% of the credit. I mean, he was already doing it. He just didn't look at it the same way I looked at it. So I think part of it is your content's there. You just need to analyze what's working and is there a unique spin or twist that you can do that would bring the, the people in? And like right now, like that's what most content creators need to do. It's like their ideas are good. Maybe their execution on the ideas are not as good. Um, but is there something that you can do a, a little spin to make you a little bit more different than anything else that's out there? Sure. So, well, um, we do need to, to end. And I think the big are question, you, are you starting a seminar business anytime soon? Because you're a really good orator. Like, oh, I appreciate and, that. And you have great one liners. Yeah. Like, I mean, so you got to keep writing these books <laughs> because like, like, I, 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 I like, try to memorize every, like a lot of the things that you said, I'm going to try to just, just start to, using them. I'm going to start using them and act like they're mine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's called, you don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens, man. When you grow up in church and youth group, I had me on the mic, you know, doing announcements. All the time and whatnot and then lots of youtube videos lots of lots of communication and live streams so is there anything that interests you or gets you excited uh in the industry right now that's kind of our last question that we we generally ask or anything that you're excited about that's disrupting the industry yeah i mean i think there there's there's uh rapid fire two things just one big idea came to me on this last thing that could be holding creators back and it's this trying to do too many things at once and so I'm about to list why I'm struggling with this, but I've learned that if you try and chase two rabbits, you end up catching neither of them. Right. And for a lot of us that are stuck, sometimes it's because you're, you're, you're not just trying to do YouTube, but you're also trying to dominate Instagram and IGTV, and you're also trying, but you haven't got one bridge generating yet, one thing happening yet. And so yes, is there anything in the industry, if, if you were to ask me like, what are you most pumped about right now? I would actually say, I think for new growth, new opportunity, I think LinkedIn video, Yep. Instagram across the board, all of Instagram, but sure. IGTV, now that it has that distribution in the feed and it can start there, it changed everything. Oh, like, absolutely. Like it, it five, 10 X, 50 X the views. I mean, Instagram TV to me was dead, but that tweak and they're not giving up on it. 
So I think for new growth, Instagram TV, I think LinkedIn, I think of course YouTube still is alive and well. And then I also think just paid traffic. I would think that one reason why uh, even in amongst some of our peers and whatnot that we've just gone to the moon is because we, we're doing a lot of paid ads. And I think people, if they either can't figure that out, because sometimes it's hard, that's what's nice about having a team, but we're living through the greatest era that will probably ever be because it'll only get more expensive and harder right. and more crowded from here for doing paid execution on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram um, would be the biggest ones right now. And I think that there's it's, it's, it's shocking, actually, how amazing that could be. But it kind of it's a learning curve. If there was one thing to put on someone's radar that's already crushing it, but wants to, no joke, 5, 10, 25, 100x their business, and you're not doing paid ads, you gotta be doing paid, and by the way, paid video ads as right. well. So, yeah. so you're saying paid ads, meaning like, you know, promoting your content to other audiences. I think actually, it, for me, I do, I've seen some great even present presentations at VidSummit about why, uh, you know, you could get some videos generating by doing a little bit of YouTube ads that can add to the organic. But what mm -hmm. I'm actually talking about is if you have something to sell. Yeah, it, oh, right, yeah, right, right. If you absolutely have something to sell so you can track ROI. I and, agree with that 100%. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what the, I mean. The other one, good, good clarity. Promoting, you know, your, your content with ads. I'm it, glad that is, we have We almost has gotten into a big argument. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're totally aligned. And I think yeah. I, I've, I've got like even a lot of friends that, that do have uh, some kind of an offer. They, they do coaching or they do a digital product or something and um, it's going great for them. They've got kind of an organic and, and you know, I do think there's also a, a willingness to when you start to step out and blow your brand up a little bit, it's going to come with good and bad from yep. the perception of that. Yep. But I mean, when you believe in what you are offering, which I hope everybody does that they ever offer anything. And when you truly want to help people and you know your motive, then it's just the difference between reaching more people or not. And we only have so much time in the day. We only have so much energy. Paid ads is leverage. And that's what I'm looking for. That's why I love ranking videos because it's yeah. leverage. That's yeah. why I love paid ads because it's leverage. T building a team is leverage. And if you really want to scale and make an impact, you absolutely have to create leverage as an entrepreneur. And then you can really creatively disrupt things. That's wow. fantastic. Thank you yeah. so much for making time for this. Really appreciate it. Pleasure is all mine. And thank all of you that have listened or watched this podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're at on whatever platform that is, because that's what you do to podcasts, right, Ricky? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ricky Ray. <laughs> Inside joke.